Today I want to talk to you about the myth of more. The myth of more, and it's something that I've addressed along the lines. I'm going to be saying things today that I've never said uh, from this pulpit. And, uh, but if you were Satan and you wanted to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, and you wanted to convince them to sin against God, to turn against God, how would you do it? How would you uh, get people that need nothing, lack nothing, uh, how would you get them to turn against God? What kind of lie would you have to tell them to get them to sin against God? Well, what Satan did is he convinced them that they didn't have everything, that God had not provided everything, and that, that they did lack something. And when he convinced them of that and they believed in that, then he made his entry into this world. Sin entered in and death by sin came into this world. And uh, this lie served Satan so well in the garden. And I want to tell you something. Uh, he's been using this, uh, this lie successfully on the church ever since then. And he's been telling the church. And I see it. I see it, uh, you know, not in this house, praise God. We, we're trying to preach against that. And so you realize what the finished work of Jesus has accomplished. But, uh, but, uh, but I see it. And there was a day that I didn't see it. Uh, the church culture that I grew up in was one where we were constantly crying out for more. Uh, more God, more of you, uh, more of God. And we would just, we would spend a great deal of energy and time crying out for more of the Lord. And listen to me, th that's the real sales pitch of religion. Uh, what it does is it tells you that you're lacking something, that you're dirty, that you're distant, and that if you were just really more committed and if you would really dedicate your life, then you could get clean and you could get close to God. And, and what that does is it sets people up for a failure. In other words, many people that don't know what Jesus accomplished on the cross, they go from church to church, from conference to conference, and they spend their life looking for more because they've been preached and taught and told that there's more and that they don't have everything and they're lacking something, they're missing something. And uh, because of that, it really leads to unbelief, unbelief and, and, and a great frustration. So that's what I want to talk about today. Father, we do praise you for your word and for the grace of God that has appeared to all men. We pray today, God, that you would cause, Lord God, your grace to be seen, experienced, and known in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I remember we would uh, really more God was a, you know, more of God, more of you. Uh, it didn't matter what more of, we just know we needed more faith, we needed more anointing, we needed more money, we needed more of God, uh, and uh, we needed, you know, we, we just needed more. And uh, let, me, let me say some of the phrases that, we would, that you would hear. Uh, more of him and less of me. Anybody ever heard that one? More of him and less of me. Um, uh, phrases and prayers like, Lord, may I decrease and you increase were common prayers. Uh, by, by the way, let me say that that was John the Baptist who was an Old Testament prophet. And he was the forerunner of Jesus when he made that statement. And that wasn't, when, and, and matter of fact, we always quote it like I said it. And we quote it backwards. Uh, John didn't say, uh, may I decrease and he increase. John say, may he increase and I decrease. Because there was a transition from old to the new. 
from the old order to the new order, from the old covenant to the new covenant. And that's what John was talking about. He was not talking about us as an individual person before the law. He was saying that that was an end of the old way and that Jesus was bringing the new wine, uh, the new covenant to the church. And so that, you know, for us to say that, you know, we need to decrease so God can increase, listen to me, is like saying the moon needs to, you know, to turn down the light so that the sun can come up in the morning. Where does the moon get its light? There you go. Okay. In other words, the sun, God is so much, we don't have to decrease so can, he can increase. He increases and, and we fade into oblivion. The moon don't go anywhere if you look up and you have to look kind of for it. But a lot of times in bright, bright sunny day, you can look and see the moon. It's not going anywhere. It's just that the sun is so much brighter than the moon, we don't pay the moon any attention anymore. See law. C come on, y'all. If you don't know what that means, that means pause, reflect, meditate. Hallelujah. I wish y'all would read the Bible where y'all could say amen to my stuff when I say it. <laughs> you may be thinking, well, what's wrong with the cry for more? What's wrong with that? Sounds pretty good to me. What, what it does is, the reason, the reason it's wrong is, listen, let me say it like this. It's not wrong for us to desire to manifest more of God, to manifest more of the anointing, to manifest more of the visible presence and power of God and, and, and to make God visible and, and, and tangible and seen among us in this natural realm. That, that's a good desire. But, but the problem with crying out for more is it insinuates that the problem is on God's end. That, that the problem is that God has withheld some things from us and that all of our problems could be solved if, we would, if God would just grant us more of himself. If he would just give us more of himself, our problems could, could be solved. And li li listen to this statement. God can't give you any more of himself than he's already given you. Thank you for that holy grunt. So that means I have to say it again. God cannot give you any more of himself than he's already given you. You have been given Jesus Christ. It is Christ in you and you are in Christ. You, you, you've been given Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him and you dwell in him by his spirit. So you can't be given anymore if... Listen, is the Christian life, you, you would hear this one a lot, you know, all of him, none of me. Uh, is that really what the Christian life is about? Uh, that statement may sound like it's a statement of humility. Don't get mad, but it's really a statement of ignorance. It's not, it's not, it's not uh, humble at all. Listen, your life is not all of him and none of you. Th think about it like this. When Jesus came to the earth, when Jesus came to the earth, when God became man and came to earth, was it all of God and none of him? Or no, it was all, listen, it was all of God and it was all of him. In other words, it's a theological, uh, uh, you have to believe by faith. In other words, in every seminary in the world, this is what they're taught. This is what preachers are taught. Uh, that, that Jesus was the God-man, listen, and that he was 100% God and 100% man. Now, probably every one of you in this place, if you've been serving God very long, you've heard that phrase, that he's 100% God and 100% man. You cannot be 200% of something. That's mathematically impossibility. But Jesus was not 50% God and 50% man. 
He was 100% God, and he was 100% man. And you, you can might say, well, that doesn't make sense mathematically. It's not supposed to. It's called faith. You just accept and believe it by faith. And so you say, well, that was Jesus. Well, we're in Christ, and Christ is in us. 1 Corinthians 6 and 17 says, but he who is joined to the Lord, listen, is one spirit with him. You're, you're one spirit with him. Uh, listen, it, listen, it is possible to make Christianity just another religion of the world. And I want to tell you, Jesus didn't come to earth to start a religion called Christianity. How can you make Christianity just another religion of the world? Listen, every religion in this whole world has a founder, it has a teacher, and therefore it has some teachings. So what most people do with religion is they look back to the founder or the creator of that religion, and they look back on his teachings and they seek to imitate that leader and to obey his teachings. Now, I want to tell you, a lot of folk in the church, that's how they look at their Christian life. They look back to Jesus as the, 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 the creator of Christianity, and they attempt to imitate him and to obey his teachings. And when you do that, you, 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 you cause Christianity just to be another powerless, impotent religion. Uh, Romans 7 and 4 says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Why? That you may be married to another. To him who was raised from the dead, that's resurrection, that what? That we should bear fruit to God. The law never made you fruitful, but Jesus makes you fruitful. And you don't have to strain to be fruitful. I've told you this over and over, an apple tree doesn't strain to make apples. I've never heard an apple crying out to God, oh, please let me have, you know, produce an apple. All it has to do is just stay rooted in the ground and the apple will automatically come, given time. You will bear the fruit of the Spirit because you're in Christ. Uh, the, the, listen, the resurrection means that we carry the teacher inside of us. In other words, we carry Jesus. We, we, don't, have a, we don't have a religion here. We, the, the, the founder and the teacher with all of his teachings, embody us. Christ lives in us, in us in him. Do you agree with that? And, and, and so he's on the inside of us. Listen, Christianity is not just a ticket to heaven uh, when we die, but it is life lived through him, and his life is lived through us here and in the right now. And, and if that's not the way you believe, then I want to tell you something. Your Christianity don't apply to your everyday get up in the morning and go to work life. It doesn't apply to that. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible message is not Christ instead of your life. It's not, you ever heard this one? It's not let go and let God. That one's real popular. Y'all see all these cows I'm killing up here? These religious cows? I've already got the stage about half full. That's a real pop. Let go, let God. That, that only makes sense first off, and it's not let go and let God. Uh, it's like the farmer, I don't know, you know, uh, this little, uh, this farmer guy, whatever, gardener, pastor stopped by his house to see him one day, and, and he wanted the pastor to come out, and he was real proud of his garden. He said he wanted to come out, and, and he wanted the pastor to see his garden, and, and, you know, and it was about harvest time, and so, you know, he was, he would say, pastor, you know, I want you to see my garden, and pastor walked out and walked, and he said, man, look at the, those tomatoes the Lord's made. He said, man, they're beautiful. God's really 
blessed you here. He said, look at them tomatoes. And he's, oh, man, look at those, look at those squash. And he just started naming all the vegetables, you know, what, how the Lord had really done a great job there. And the farmer was, I mean, the gardener guy was getting, you know, more angry and more angry. And finally he said, Pastor, you should have seen this spot of dirt when God had it by itself. <laughs> See, that's the way it is. Without God, we cannot, but without us, he will not. If, if you don't co-labor with God, if you don't join forces with him and realize that Christ is in you, then you won't ever produce anything. You've you got to understand that, that, that uh, God, you know, it's not that I need to get out of the way so God can move without me, because if you get out of the way, God won't move. If I lay the mic down and go sit on the front row, God's not going to preach to you. He's not going to send an angel. I wish he would. They'd do a better job. Not really because they don't understand salvation. Because they've never been saved. Only we have been saved. In Christ, you've got to understand, God's, listen, God's not trying to replace you. He already has. God didn't take the old you and buff it up, you know, and change the oil and send you on about your way. God didn't change your life. God gave you a new life. You're a new creation in Christ. You're not the old person with a paint job. You're not the old person with a Christian cross and a bumper sticker on your car. You're a whole new person. You're a new creation in Christ. And so he wants to embrace you, not to replace you. And he wants to, every aspect of your being, God wants to use your personality. He wants to use your hobbies, your, your likes, your, your, you know, your, your humor, everything that makes you you. God wants to flow through that to this world. God's not, God's not, God made you like that. He made you like that. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Je Jesus lived in a, listen, Jesus lived in a real human fleshly body. And he did that to show us that, listen, his, his divinity is entirely compatible to your and my humanity. His divinity, God that, that makes God divine in God. God's divinity is compatible with your humanity. Jesus became a man. His divinity was compatible with flesh. Flesh didn't trip Jesus up. His flesh didn't, didn't mess Jesus up. Jesus wasn't hadn't fighting a civil war within himself every day. Jesus wasn't warred with himself. His divinity was compatible with his humanity. So it is with us if we would yield to the Spirit. Christ is my life here and now. This is very different from Christ being a part of my life. You hear these ridiculous statements that we make. Well, I'm going to make the Lord a priority in my life. Really? Really? You're going to make him a priority in your life. You don't have a life without him. Apart from his life, you have no life. I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life. He was Lord before you ever was breathing. You can't make him Lord. He was already Lord. <laughs> Come on, y'all. These ridiculous things that we say. Galatians 2.20, Paul writing, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. This is the New King James Version I'm reading, and, and they, they got it wrong here. 
the King James has it correct. The life that I live by faith, the King James says, of the Son of God. The faith that I live by is the faith of the Son of God. You, ha you have Jesus' faith to live by. You don't need more faith. You need to increase the release of that faith. But every person's been given the measure of faith. Well, I thought the disciples asked for, Lord, increase our faith. They did, and that was stupid on their part. Just everything they said wasn't right. You understand that? I mean, Jesus said, this shall not, I mean, Peter said, this shall not be unto you, Lord. You shall not go to the cross. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Okay? Just because they said it don't mean it's a doctrine that you're supposed to imitate. It's so prevalent that people say, well, if I had more faith, then I could be healed. If I had more faith, then I could be blessed. If I had more faith, if we just had more faith. Listen, faith comes by hearing, but where is the faith coming from? It's coming from your spirit, man, where God deposited it. What the hearing does of the word of God is it activates, releases, you know, causes you to believe again. And to release the faith that God has already given you. You're not in a deficiency or a lack of faith. You may be in a deficiency of lack of releasing the faith. Big difference, y'all. Listen. He says that the life I lived, I live now by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, on one, it says, Paul said, I don't live. And then he says, the life that I live. Now, did he, live, did he die or did he live? Or what, what's going on here? Seems a little schizo to me. He says, I no longer, it's no longer I who live. But then he says, the life which I now live. What's he talking about? It's kind of confusing. Not really. He says, the old Paul, he doesn't live anymore. But there's a brand new creation of Paul that does live. And he lives by the power of the faith of the Son of God. And, and, and Christ now lives through me and in me. And so we were never made, listen, we were never made to live this life out of our own power, our own wisdom, and our own resources. Never were we made to live like that. It's all of him and they say it's all of him and none of me, really. That's for them folks who say, well, I was there in the spirit. Well, we didn't see you. We didn't see you gave anything. We didn't see you support anything. or We didn't see you hug nobody, encourage them by your presence. All that I was with you in spirit ain't worth a dime. We were never made to live like that. Uh, when you say it's all of him and none of me, listen what that does. It just makes you passive. It makes you just kind of sit back and attempt nothing. And you, you'll use the excuse, well, I'm waiting on the Lord, Brother Dale. You are. Well, you're going to be waiting a long time because he's done, done everything he's going to do. I know that goes contrary to the church. I'm going to say something. and Anyway, God, I get in so much trouble. So I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not going to identify where I was at. There's a person that was with me where I was at. So they know they were there, and I know I was there, so that's sufficient. And they didn't pick out the song, and so I'm not mad with them. But I sat there just the other night where I was preaching and ministering in a different place, and here comes the song, you know, praises go up and the blessings come down. That's what we think. And I'm sitting there going, my God, this is a dumb song. And I'm not going to sing it because I don't believe it because I know it's not true. The blessings have come down whether the praises have go up or not. I'm going to read the verse in a minute, but God's already blessed us. 
had a man that lives in, a, lives in another state uh, message me this morning. He said, Brother Dale, I'm thinking about changing my, I've known, I known him from many years ago. He said, Pastor, I'm thinking about changing a job that I've been at for over 30 years and different career. And I'm really nervous about it. And I just felt like I wanted to write to you and didn't want to bother you. But I just wanted to, you know, to share that with you, that I'm thinking about that. And I just want to do what, you know, the right thing God wants me to do. So even this morning while I was in, in prayer, that, you know, the phone bling. <laughs> so I, I sent a message back to him. I said, let me tell you something. The Bible says that you're blessed. And everything that your hands touch are blessed of the Lord. And God will bless the, 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 what you put your hands to is blessed. And I said, so the, so I started to call it a business. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, help me. But I, I named the industry. I said, you know, your industry is not where the blessing is. You're blessing to that industry. So you're going to be successful in whatever endeavor, in whatever field that you choose. If you choose to stay in that business, God's got your blessing of the Lord's upon you. If you choose to change, the blessing of the Lord is upon you. Because the blessing's on you, it's not on the business. You bless the business. Because whatever you put your hands to, God's going to bless you. You understand? So the blessing is upon you because you're blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Now you've got to have a little bit of sense. Amen. That's a good place to praise Him. Now, people can always carry things to, you know, to stupid levels. You say, well, if, I, you know, if everything in my hands touch and blessed of the Lord, then I'm going to be a brain surgeon. Well, you can. We'll see you in about 20 years. And you'll be blessed. But you're not just you know, you know, go to doing surgery tomorrow or nothing. Right? But your, your hands are still blessed of the Lord. Some of you grew up like I did, thinking that God's for you if you're in this business, but if you're over here, then God's not for you, and he's mad with you because you didn't do what he told you. It's ridiculous. The blessing is on you. You're not a prisoner. You're a son. You're a daughter. You know what the answer to all, most of what all you're praying for? I just want to know the Lord's will. If God wants you to t tell you something, he'll make it real clear. You, you'll have to fight it to miss it. It is not easy to miss the will of God. That's a lie the church has sold us. It's not easy. It's almost impossible for a believer to miss the will of God. I mean, you have to go, there's the will of God. I know it's the will of God, but I'm not going to do it. Just going to step over it and do something else. Now, that's how a believer misses the will of God. God's going to make it plain. God's not trying to be mysterious. Well, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. That is not in the Bible. God don't move mysteriously. If God was trying to be mysterious, he wouldn't give you 66 books called the Bible. He'd have gave you no book, and I said, I'm just going to be mysterious. It's mysterious to us because God's ways and our ways are at odds. God's thoughts and our thoughts are not the same. God's not going to change his ways nor his thoughts, so that means guess who's got to change the way they think? Guess who's got to change their ways to line up with God's ways? Amen? But God loves you. I didn't have to come and be the pastor of this church, but God, God let me know this is what he desired for me to do. But he also told me I could have stayed where I was and he'd have loved me and blessed me just the same. It's not like if I just chose it, I'd say, well, no, I don't want to go to Valdez. I could have stayed where I was, and I'd still be preaching this Sunday morning and still be blessed. Because God loves me. God didn't save me to make me a preacher. God saved me because he loved me. Preacher's just a blessing, icing. Come on, y'all. God's for you. He's not against you. You're blessed wherever you are. If you don't like where you are, change jobs. Glory to God. Get education. Change vocations. Bless them when you leave. 
Hallelujah. Enjoy life. Do what you want to do. Be happy. Somebody sent me a message last night. Boy, I'm in the media world. Keep me busy. I can't answer all that stuff. God sent me last night. I don't even really know the brother. He might be sitting here today, fall, I know. But he says, it's just been a long time since I've been happy. That breaks my heart. I don't even know this man. I want this man to be happy because God wants him to be happy. Jesus said, I want your joy to be full. You have a little joy, some joy, no joy. But God said, I want your joy to be full. And where's that full knowledge of the joy come? When you understand and see the grace of God. See, we lack nothing. Listen, Jesus possesses all of God the Father. You believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ possesses all of God the Father? Sure he does. And then, therefore, we possess all of Jesus. And he possesses all of us. It's a Holy Ghost union. I'm in him, him, he's in me, we're in the Father, Father's in us. And we just all tangled up in one another. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's the Word of God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells, not visits, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Who's in him? Jesus. And you, listen, and you are complete in him. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now, if you are complete in him, why are you crying for more? Listen, the Bible said you have been given the fullness of him, not the halfness. And I know that ain't a word, but I, you, I made it up. You haven't been given halfness, you've been given fullness. You are complete in him. What does it mean to be complete in him? It means the search is over. It means no more hungering and no more thirsting. I wouldn't set you up like this because it's just not sweet. But if I started the service today and I would have walked to the pulpit and I said, how many of you are hungry for God today? You don't went, yes, I'm hungry, Brother Dale. How many thirsty for the Lord? Yes, I'm thirsty for God, Brother Dale. And I would go, I'm going to pop your bubble, man, because you shouldn't be thirsty nor hungry. Okay, Jesus' words. That's how the church does it. How many is hungry for God? Ah, we're so hungry, brother. I'm just, oh, brother Dale, I'm so hungry for God. I'm a God chaser. Really? Sold brother T a lot of books. Made him a lot of money, but it's theologically in error. Don't feel bad. I bought the book back when it came out 20 years ago, too. When I thought I was chasing God. God, you ain't chasing God. God's been chasing you before the foundation of the world. Chasing God. You ain't never seen God. How you chase something you can't even see? Jesus, John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Y'all know what never hunger means, right? Let me tell you what never means in the Greek. Never let me tell you what never means in the Hebrew. Never. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. So what you doing hungry and thirsty? That'd be like you coming up to me and saying, Brother Dale, I'm so hungry for air. You know what I tell you? Breathe, baby. <laughs> just, just pull in some. Just take a deep breath. It's free gone. Get you some. 
You want some more? Take another breath. Blow it out. Come on now. Get you some air. That's how dumb it is for us as believers to say I'm hungry and thirsty. If you are hungry and thirsty, it ain't because God has shut off the supply. It's because you quit coming to the table and eating. I'm just trying to protect my daddy from a bad rap he's been getting. It's not his fault. If you're hungry, it's your problem. If you're thirsty, then drink. And quit whining about it. If you're hungry, don't be telling what, what, what. Eat. It's, the table is filled in the presence of your enemies. Don't sit there with forks and knives everywhere and, and a bounty on the table and go, well, I'm hungry, brother. Well, eat then. Feed the word, eat, word of God. I mean, what are you telling me for? I want to have a you know, six-week revival because we're Come on, man. I told you, God, how they were going. <laughs> I told you. The Bible teaches that God has given, not will give, us all things that pertain to life. 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 and 3. You knew I was going to read this one, right? Grace and peace. Why don't you talk about grace so much? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And verse 3, and his divine power has, not will, has given to us how many things? All things that pertain to life. Now let's stop right there. God said, I've given you everything that pertains to life. To life. That means your light bill, your car payment, how you feel, your toothbrush. I mean, name it. If it pertains to life, God said, I've already blessed you with everything and I've given you all things that pertain to life. And godliness. How's that come? Through the knowledge of him. That's why you're sitting here listening to me talk. Because I'm talking about him. I'm talking about his grace. Through the knowledge of him who's called you by glory and virtue. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this one. Who has. I know I've told you this verse before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Because you don't believe it. Some of you don't. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Where are you seated? You're seated in heavenly places. You're in Christ. I realize this is really hard for some people to accept it and get a hold of it. But listen, the only thing, listen, that we're lacking is the knowledge of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's all we're lacking. You, you will not find, listen, you will not find one apostle in the entire Bible, in the New Testament, praying for more of God. I mean, if it's something we're supposed to be praying, you'd think one of them would have prayed it. One time, at least. You, you won't find apostle Paul, Peter, nobody. They never prayed or never said the statement, we need more of God. Never. After the resurrection, not one of them said we need more faith. Not one of them said we need more anointing. Not one of them said we need revival. Not one of them said any of those things that the church so prolifically says today. He, uh, what Paul did say that the church needed is we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And that he said that I pray that that be given to the church. This is a great verse, John 1, 16. John 1, 16, it says, And of his fullness, notice his fullness, we have all received, and grace for grace. Man, I love that verse. God said just grace for grace, just gift after gift, just blessing after blessing, just present after present, just, 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 just grace for grace, just favor for favor, 
Just blessing, just, just blessing this running you over. You ever been just run over by a blessing truck and then backed over by it again and just, just blessings, blessings? 1 Peter 4.10, and each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards. Now, this is the term Paul uses, of the manifold grace of God. The NIV says of the various forms of grace. One translation says the multi-sided grace. Another one says the multifaceted grace. And so grace by the church is usually defined as unmerited favor. How many knows that? And that's not wrong. That's correct. But it's more than that. It is unearned. It is undeserved. It's a gift. And if you had to do something to get it, it's not grace. Listen, grace is what God did for you. And listen, God did that. Listen to me. This is important. Independent of you. So in other words, by grace... Jesus died for the sin, not sins, for the sin of the entire world. He didn't wait until we sinned and then needed grace for him to go to the cross. He went to the cross before you were ever even born. And in fact, the Bible says that he did this independent of you because Jesus Christ in Revelation says that he is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So salvation and redemption has been in the heart of God before the earth even existed. God determined to save you before there was an was a Adam or an Eve or a garden. God didn't put Adam and Eve in the garden, turn around and get a sandwich and go, whoop, the devil slipped in on me. I didn't see that one coming. God's never been surprised about anything. Come on now. So listen, listen to this very important statement. So if God provided everything you would need independent of you, then that means it has nothing to do with your performance or your worthiness or your holiness. Or anything about you. So listen, the reason that's so important is because many of you think that you don't get your healing or your financial blessing because you're not worthy. Listen, it has nothing to do with you. Grace is independent of you. Titus 2 and 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to how many men? To all men. That's Christian men, lost men, God-haters. You know the grace of God even appeared to Adolf Hitler. It's appeared to all men, to all mankind, the grace of God. And so listen to me. Listen, if grace alone saves us, then everybody would be saved. Did you hear me? And this is where some people wrongly carry it and become universalists or whatever they call it. And they say everybody's saved. Well, if everybody's saved, I need to go to the house and rest. And I don't need to be preaching. I'm wasting a lot of time and energy trying to get men to believe. So if grace alone saves us, then everybody will be saved. But everybody's not saved. Why? Because we're not saved by grace alone. Just need that to marinate a second. Not by grace alone. The Bible says you were saved by grace what? Through faith. Through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. But we are saved by grace through faith. But it's not grace alone. And so sometimes even people that preach grace kind of miss that point. It's not just grace. It's grace through faith. And it's not God's faith. It is God's faith in the sense that he gave it to you. But it's your faith in the grace of God. In other words, you're responding to God's grace. So, so, so you've got to respond to God's grace with faith in order to receive God's grace. To as many as received him. To them he gave the power, the right, the exousia to be the sons of God. But you have to receive God. Every, the grace of God has appeared to everybody, but everybody hadn't received the grace of God. Everybody hadn't put faith in the grace of God. So listen to me. God's grace alone 
it doesn't save you. Now listen, God's grace alone don't heal you. God's grace alone don't bless you. God's grace alone don't do any of those things. It has to be God's grace through faith. Listen to Hebrews 4, 2 and 3. Hebrews chapter 4, 2 and 3. This, this clearly illustrates it. He says, for indeed the gospel, good news, was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Now all of you in this room right now are hearing the same word. I'm not preaching one thing to this group and one thing to this group and one thing to this group. No, no, you're all hearing the same message. But all of you will respond differently to what you're hearing. Why? Because he says the word that was preached to them, it didn't profit them. Why? Because it's not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. The Sabbath rest that we have is not a day of the week. It is a person and his name is Jesus. And what you rest from is your works and your labor and you trying to get God to accept you by anything that you would do. Say, pray, or anything. God accepts you based on nothing of your merit. But by the gift of God, God has accepted you, loved you, and forgiven you. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Most of the church don't understand that. They're still trying to get God to move and do something. Let me tell you something. Now listen to this statement because it goes contrary to what most churches teach. Faith, you hear that? Faith moves mountains. Lie. Faith don't move mountains. Faith don't move mountains. Faith moves you. You move mountains. You speak to the mountain. You move it. God ain't helping you doing nothing. He's done, done all he's going to do. Faith don't move God. He ain't stuck. You're the one that needs to move. I need to move. God ain't going to move. God's already moved all he's going to do. God moved from heaven to earth. God's already moved. I'm praying for a move of God. Well, you don't need to. It's already happened. Brother, we believe in for a move of God. I was too 2,000 years ago, and he did move, and he came, and he became a man, and he, and he released grace to this entire world. And he's released and blessed us with everything we'll ever need pertaining to life, godless, and the power of God, and everything else is all here present in the Spirit. I don't know what you're praying for. If you want to have a prayer meeting that bad, let's pray for something that you know that you know will help us. You know, when I was raised, I was raised in Pentecostal church. No, no, I thank God for my heritage. You know, for some of it. In Acts two, was anybody else raised like I was? Acts two, you know, the uh, the Holy Ghost came right, filled the upper room, and all. so this is this was this was my church's teaching. They, now that they meant well. I know they did. I'm not saying that people are rude, stupid, or diabolical, or had unpure un motives. We all did the best we did with what we had to work with. Okay? And so, it, you know, it's taken me 30 years, you know. I mean, I just don't want you to have to wait that long. I thought that Jesus told them to go into Jerusalem, you know, and beg and plead and pray and fast until they get the Holy Ghost power of God and then you can calculate that thing out and you can see that they were in there for 10 days and so I was taught that they were in there for 10 days fasting praying pleading begging the Holy Ghost to come and finally after 10 days 
And the Lord finally answered their prayers and sent the Holy Ghost. Anybody besides me? How many was that your version of that understanding of that? Okay. How many of you don't care what I ask you? You ain't raising your hand for nothing. Okay. <laughs> How many wants a hundred dollar bill? I mean, you know, here we go. <laughs> Look at the hands in. You religious bunch of people, you. The word Pentecost, the literal word, means 50. You ever heard the Pentuk? The Pentuk? What is that? How many books of Moses is that? I'll help you out. Because Pent, the P-E-N-T, means five. So when you say, I'm Pentecostal, you're saying, I'm 50. That's what the word means. Well, I'm 50. Well, you, well, I'm Pentecostal. Well, congratulations. I'm not 50 yet, but hallelujah. That's great. That's what the word means. Now, if you don't understand the seven feast of the Lord, Leviticus 23 names all seven chronologically, but irregardless whether you understand them or not, you will if you come here because we talk about them every fall. But Jesus came and was the Passover. Jesus was the unleavened bread without sin. Jesus was raised from the tomb on the first fruits. And then once Jesus was raised from the tomb, he spent 40 days walking around in a resurrected body. You agree with me so far? Okay, then he goes to the Mount of Olives and he is caught up. He is ascended from the Mount of Olives back into heaven. Before he did that, he told them to go into Jerusalem and he didn't say pray for the Holy Ghost. He said just tarry, which means wait. He just said wait until you're endued. No prayer needed here. Just wait. Well, Brother Dale, I think it says in Acts 2, they was in there praying. Sure. You'd be praying too if you had the room full of people that denied Jesus with his mama in the room. Because Mary was one of them. You understand that Mary knew that those guys hung out with Jesus for three and a half years and that he was really good to them and that not one of them except John showed up while her son was being crucified. Now you can play all the religious games you want to, but she was a real woman and that was really her son. And she probably really didn't think highly of them other ten that abandoned him. It takes you a while to get unity and forgiveness flowing. And they had a lot to pray about. The only thing that I can see in the Bible that they prayed about which remember Judas hung himself, Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. God had already said they would be twelve apostles. And he said the foundations of the city, the New Jerusalem, would have twelve foundations, which are the, after the twelve apostles. Judas forfeited his name from being one of those foundational layers, and he uh, hung himself. Uh, God would have forgiven him even if he had betrayed the Lord. He, uh, he just, uh, what Judas did is what a lot of people try to do. They try to, say, they try to pay for their sins. That's the reason he hung himself. He was trying to pay for his sins. You can't pay for your sins. Even if you give your body like that, you still you, you can't pay for your sins. Only Jesus can pay for your sins, and they've already been paid for. Why are you trying to pay a bill that's been paid? If the bill's been paid, you can't pay it again. Jesus has already paid for the sin of the world, not just yours, not just for Christians, but Jesus took away the sin of the world. He paid for the sin of the world. He was to propitiation, not for our sins only, but for the sin of the world. Propitiation means the appeasing, satisfying sacrifice. God accepted his sacrifice. God's stamp paid in full on the sin of the world. In, in everybody in this room, in your, in your sin account that you think you have, you have a zero balance. You will never have any entry in there because God says, I will not impute their trespasses against them. That means that's a counter term. I will never make a record of their trespasses. 
I know they told you in church they're going to play the video of all your sin when you get to the judgment. That's a lie. No Bible. I know they told you the hell you're going through right now is because God's paying you back for what you did 10 years ago, but that's a lie. Now, you may be suffering consequences of bad decisions, but it is not Papa God doing it to you. He loves you, and he poured out his wrath and judgment on his son, on his body, in his flesh. He's not angry with anybody, never will be again. That's the gospel. That's the good news. So what I'm trying to get you to see is one thing they prayed about was they had to replace Judas. So they had two brothers in there. Uh, I forget one of them. Matthias is the one that they chose. I think Justice or something was the other guy's name. And anyway, irregardless, they had these two brothers. And they said, you know, Peter said, we need to replace and get another 12th apostle here. And, uh, you know, they talked about Judas and they actually had scripture. And so they cast lots, which means they voted. Or they had their opinions, you know. They, and they looked at those apostles and, and out of those 11 remaining apostles, they said, between these two brothers, uh, who, who, do you, who do we choose? And so when the lot was cast, Matthias was chosen. So then they, they installed Matthias as the 12th apostle because he had seen the Lord physically. And so he took the place of Judas Iscariot, and that was worked out during those 10 days. But let me tell you this real clear. The Holy Spirit would have fell on the day of Pentecost whether they prayed a prayer or not. Because Acts 2 and 1 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Spirit came and filled all the room of the house where they were assembled together. had nothing to do with their prayer. It had to do with God's plan and purpose and, and God working off of his timetables. And so the Holy Spirit came at the appointed time. They wasn't up there praying in agony for 10 days begging God to do something. The church loves to think that they'll do something and then God will reply and do something because they did something. Now, you will see something that you didn't see but it will be because your faith has moved you, but it didn't move God. There is a big difference, and you need to see this. If God did grace in, uh, independent of you, then when you're praying for the healing that you need in your body to be manifested, and it doesn't you know, immediately manifest or whatever, and the struggles come, then you won't come up with stupid doctrines like, well, God's trying to teach me something. That's why he won't take this from me. Or the Lord put this on me because he wants me to learn something. Or... Uh, I, must not, I must have sin in my life, or I must not be worthy, I must not be holy. If I pray more, then maybe God will heal me. All of that is lies. And I used to believe those, and they'll drive you nuts. Because you can't ever win that. You, you're never good enough. You're never worthy enough. It doesn't matter how many hours I prayed, and I built a prayer cabin in the woods and called it the prayer cabin. That's what we called it. I always called it the, the 10 plus year. Billy Ray and Pam stayed in it many a time. And I built that for the purpose of praying. And I would do it again. But I wouldn't spend the time that I put in there praying for what I was praying for because much of that time I spent praying for things that I already had. Like the anointing, the mind of Christ, the blessing of God. When you say, oh Lord, please bless me this week, and you pray that, then you're saying God hadn't blessed you and you are, you are canceling out the, the Bible I just read to you that said you've already been blessed. So don't say, Lord, please bless me this week. Say, Lord, thank you that I'm blessed of you this week. It's a big difference. Because, see, that puts you in faith. That other puts you in doubt and unbelief. God can't remove in response to unbelief. He, he has to have faith. So you get over in Acts 3, and uh, you got Peter and John going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Remember that? And there was a lame man laid at the gate uh, called Beautiful. 
And so he's laid at the gate there because they didn't allow in that culture, they didn't allow sick, afflicted people to go to church. Isn't that something? I believe our crowd would be cut down this morning if we had that kind of rule. Probably I couldn't get in. Okay? So they didn't want it to look bad, so he's, he's laid at the gate. That's as close as he could get. Beggars don't get past the gate. You ever been desperate? God, I beg you, you just canceled your prayer out. God will not answer a beg. Because if you begging God, it means you don't know you're a son and a daughter. That's not humility to say, God, I beg you. That's ignorance gone to seed. Right? So uh, they laid him at the gate, Peter and John coming to the temple at the hour of prayer, and it says that they see this man there. And it said, and actually Peter says he fixed his eyes on him. Really, that lines up with some other passage I don't have time to turn to, but but in other words, they're perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Now, if I'm praying for Ben for healing or whatever, then Ben's gonna have to have some measure of faith in order to receive. But now you can carry that too far and just blame Ben for all of it. Well, that's why he didn't have faith. That's why he didn't get it. Right. No, no. I mean, you can carry that too far. But they have to be a cooperating with that. Jesus couldn't do many mighty miracles because of their unbelief in his hometown. Jesus did a lot of things. But what Jesus did, he did it to elicit the faith in the people in him. And so when Jesus has a woman, a Syrophoenician woman, which just means, you know, I used to read the Bible. like, why do we care, you know, Syrophoenician? I don't even know what that means. It means she's a Gentile. I mean, she's a non-Jew. Remember that? The woman he called a dog? See, the religious church, the first church of the Frigidaire, don't like that in the Bible, but, you know, it's in there. Because you just can't make that look good. Jesus called a woman a dog, and this woman's in a bad condition in the sense that her daughter's demonized, being tormented by the demon. She's demon-possessed, by tormented by a devil, and she's desperate. You ever had your kids going through something? Man, all you want is help. You don't care if you go to the Catholic church and they help you. I don't care. You know, if my kids are suffering and in, I mean, I just want them to be healed. I don't care what you call it. But see, the Bible said they laid him at a gate called beautiful. You can call it beautiful if you want to, but if people are still laying at the gate begging, it ain't beautiful. You can call it what you want to. You can call it church if you want to. You can call it right if you want to, but it ain't right just because you call it right. It ain't beautiful because you called. They laid him at a gate called beautiful. That ain't beautiful, man, when you're bypassing crippled, paralyzed people and going on in and getting your praise on. You're getting your praise on in there while they're sitting there crippled out there. That ain't beautiful. So Peter fasts his eyes on him. He saw that he had some faith to be healed. He looks at him, and, 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 uh, but he was there begging, and he was begging for alms. Now, you know I got to say this because it just, he was begging for alms, but he didn't need alms. He needed legs. Oh, come on, man. You know how it's funny. <laughs> he wanted money. Do you know that most of us, including me, don't have enough sense to even pray and know what we need from the Lord a lot of the time? He's asking for something that's going to keep him there. And Jesus wants him out of there. And so he says, silver and gold have I none, Peter said, but such as I have. I love the King James Version. Such as I have give unto thee. See, now listen to me. Listen, I'm about done. The whole book of Acts, you won't, you'll find many healings. You'll find no prayer like we pray today in the church. None. You'll never find a prayer in the book of Acts where somebody got healed where the prayer goes something like this. Oh, God, we come to you, Lord, and we ask you to look upon our brother Ben. And we pray that you would heal him, Lord. 
he's a missionary and a great man and ordained minister. And just come on and help a brother out here. Would you heal this man? Come on and move, God. We ask for your power to move. And we ask you to heal this man. And we ask you to stretch forth your hand and heal him and do something. None of that. God will never answer that prayer. Because that's prayer filled with unbelief and doubt. And see, Peter said, such as I have, I'm going to give you. Peter knew the resurrection had occurred. He knew now he carried something. He knew that God had blessed him with all spiritual blessings. He knew that God had forgiven the world of the sin. And he knew that God had healed by his stripes. You were healed. And he said, now I'm going to release what Jesus has done. And so he said, such as I have given unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And he didn't wait and say, do you feel it, brother? He grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up. He didn't say, do you feel tingle? Do you feel heat? Do you feel a goosebump? Take it again. He didn't play the rock a horsey game in the Pentecost church. Let's push him down, look anointed. He just said, get up, man. And when he pulled on the man, it says strength came into his ankles, to his legs, and he stood upright. The Bible said he began dancing, jumping, and leaping. You would too if you've been paralyzed begging. Now you ain't got to beg no more. And then he goes, goes into the church for the first time. And he jumps and, and shouts and, 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 and does that inside the building. And they all noticed that that was the beggar that had been laid out there. And it says, at the gate, beautiful. Change of words. It don't say the gate called now, beautiful. It says it's beautiful now, man. Because this man here is not a beggar anymore. This man's been made whole. Now what did Peter know? He knew that I got something to give. If everybody in this room knew such as I have. If you've been born again, such as I have, you've got something to release. Now let me tell you something. What you find in the Bible, listen, is when you understand God's grace, it'll change you from a beggar to a commander. Years ago, before I even began to grasp grace at all, I began to change the way I prayed for the sick. And I began to command healing. And I've had so many people get so upset with me because they heard me command healing. Who does he think he is? I ain't commanding God. Neither was Peter commanding God. There ain't a person in here that will ever be able to command God. You can't make God do anything. God is not a judicial judge that you get the petition with enough signatures in, he'll finally move. That's the problem with prayer chains. Because the mentality of the church, I'm not saying you should boss prayer chain. All the intercessors are pick, put your rock back down. <laughs> Step away from the stones. <laughs> Listen. The problem with prayer chains is people do this to me all the time. They think that if I get enough of people praying, then God will finally do something. And it makes him out to be a very not nice person. A man the other day in a city near here was going through a sickness and was hospitalized and he sent me a message and was wanting prayer. And then he sent me another message later on and he said, I believe that some of the prayers have actually made it to the throne. I thought, how sad. That's the way most of the church thinks. So you need to ask this sister to pray. She can get a prayer through. Through what? Through all your dead religion and false teachings? By God, she must be a praying woman then if you can pierce that. Prayer through what? Why are you looking up there praying? If you want to know where Jesus is, just bow your head. There he is. 
Pray to your chest. He's six inches away. You said he lived in your heart. You said you invited the Lord in your heart. Now why are you looking out to heaven and saying, talking up there? If you want to talk to Jesus, just talk to him right there he is. They ain't liking this this morning or something, man. This ain't going down like a rat sandwich. Why y'all look at me so religious? I'm just telling you what you do. Jesus lives in you. Christ in you. You're in Christ. God's not on another planet somewhere. You're not trying to send a letter through the galaxies. You're not, you're not William Shatner. This ain't Star Trek, baby. You ain't trying to get to a galaxy far, far away. You're not. No, no, no. Jesus is in you. Talk to him. You don't have to say thou and thine. Talk to him. But stop asking him to provide what he's already provided. And the list goes on. I'm not going to waste any time doing that anymore. And I pray to God that you understand the grace of God and the provision that God, and what your faith and my faith is. And I know this is real strange for some of you to hear this. But your grace supplies certain things. And if, God, if grace hadn't provided it, then your prayer of any prayer or nobody's prayer will ever be able to draw it. So God provided things. He provided healing. He provided financial blessing. He provided the list just goes on and on and on. So grace has provided that. But, but, but God's not going to provide things. God's not provided like, well, Lord, I just pray because, man, I really need some money. And so I'm your son and all. And so I'm going to go down and rob the bank. And I just pray that I won't get caught. And I just pray that your grace will cover me. And you'll just protect me and you'll keep me under your wings and so that the popo can't see me when I'm making my dash with the cash. And I just pray that you would help a brother out here because I need to make a withdrawal because I need some money. What's God carry? It ain't like his count's going to go down if you pull a million out. But God's not going to answer that, Right? I know I'm being silly, but I'm trying to make a point here. Why? Because Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to rob a bank. Grace don't provide that covering for you. So it don't matter who prays that prayer, that prayer will not be answered. You understand? If, if a couple is married and you're a single lady and you're not married, but you like the looks of her man and you decide you want him, then you can pray that God will kill her so that you can step in and take the brother. But God's not going to answer that prayer. Because Jesus' grace did not provide for murder and for that to happen. So he won't answer that prayer. No matter how sincerely you pray it. Enough said? Now listen. But what grace has provided for, then what you do is you realize what Jesus has accomplished on the cross and we're all learning. And then... What you do is you call for the manifestation of that in this realm. It don't say by his stripes I might heal somebody someday if I feel like it. It says by his stripes you what? Were healed. Now, I know I've said this before and I'm closing with this. When did Jesus actually forgive the world of their sins? 2,000 years ago. That's before you, me and you were born, right? Okay. So independent of us, he'd already done it before we got here. Before we ever breathed the first breath, Right? So therefore, ain't got, salvation ain't got nothing to do with us. It's something that God did. 
independent of us, grace has come. Now, when did you receive the benefit of that forgiveness that we call salvation? Let me tell you when you received it. Did God have a special calendar circle on a special day that he knew on this day that you'll get saved? On this day I'm going to save you? On this day I'm going to do something? No. Women, no offense women, but women have done it more because they just ask for help better than men. I don't know how many times women would come up to me in services, just like, even since I've been at Grace Point, and they would say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me, please, for my husband to be saved. I've been praying for him for 20 years, and God ain't saved him yet. And I need that man to get saved because he's on my last nerve or whatever it is. Okay? And what I have to do now is try to be kind and gentle with that, but I say, no, ma'am, I can't pray for that. And they look offended always quickly. Why not? Why can't you pray for that? I'm just asking you to pray. Because, see, the, your understanding is that God needs to do something to get your husband saved. That you think the problem is, is with God. Not doing enough, therefore your husband ain't saved. The problem is not God. The problem is your husband. And your husband could have got saved 20 years ago if he'd have believed. Now, what I will pray for is I'll pray that the eyes of his understanding will be opened. I pray that his heart and ears will, be, will, will go from the blindness that Satan has put upon his mind so that he can't hear and receive the gospel. I pray that God will send people that he will, that he will listen to that will share the gospel and the good news of the grace of God and that his heart will be open to believe. And I'll pray that. And normally when I say that, they'll go, okay then. And then we'll join hands and we'll pray. But I'm not going to pray for God to do something. Listen, y'all, I'm trying to tell you i got a real good daddy. And, he, and, you, and not, not one of you in this room lack anything. God's given you everything you'll ever need. And if you believe that, your life's going to be on a totally, totally different trajectory than most believers because they're really unbelieving believers. And they're still begging and pleading and asking God to do stuff, and they're trying to get enough people to pray to move. None of that is works. None of that works. And it's just a waste of energy and time, and it puts you in a spirit of unbelief. Now, if you know that it ain't got nothing to do with your worthiness, your holiness, your righteousness, none of that, it's just God's grace. And so, in other words, 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the price. When did you receive the enjoyment and the benefit of it? When you believed. Now, if you can receive this, listen, and I can preach beyond where I'm living, okay? But when it comes to healing, it's where we really struggle. And when it comes to healing, Jesus, by his stripes, you what? Were. And if I were, I am, and if I am, I'm is. But right then, what we do is we, we take an inventory of ourself. Ooh, the pain's still there. I didn't get it. See, and right there, it hamstrings our faith and puts us back in unbelief. You have to begin to believe what the Bible says. Now, when did Jesus heal everybody? 2,000 years ago. You know, most of the church, they're looking forward to the day the Lord heals them. You're looking in the wrong way, baby. It's back this way. Look back to the day that you were healed. And by his stripes you were healed, so that means God wants everybody to be healed. I can't help about your grandma and I, all them stories you're going to th throw on me. Well, if God was going to heal anybody, he'd heal my grandmama. He'd heal anybody if they believe. You have to believe. You have to believe that he did provide it, grace did provide it. And you say, well, I want to receive it. Well, God's helping us to learn how to receive what grace has freely provided. And it's called through our faith. Our faith in him. Faith in him. It's not faith in faith. A lot of people say, well, you know, uh, we, you know, it takes faith, Brother Dale, to go through a traffic light when it's green, you know, and not to look and just trust that they won't nobody run into you. That's faith. Or it takes faith to come up here and sit in this chair. I mean, we don't know nothing about that chair. We ain't never met that chair. But it takes faith just to flop down in the chair and realize you ain't finna hit the floor. 
That takes faith, brother. It takes faith to get on the airplane. You ain't never met the pilot. You don't know if he's drunk or smoking dope up front. It just takes faith to get on the plane and let that guy fly you around. Listen to me. All of that is true, listen, but that's human faith. That's not faith of God. That's not faith in God. Why? Because all of that faith has visible things. The faith of God is, is, has substance, but you don't see it. So if I say to some of you, come here and sit right here in this chair that's right here. You go, well, I don't see no chair right there. That's the faith of God. You can't see that chair right there? That chair is there. How many sees the chair right there? Ben sees it. Ben, would you come sit in that chair right there? We ain't rehearsed this. I don't know what you're doing. There he goes. He's sitting in the chair. <laughs> It's not comfortable, but it is there. Thank you. We didn't plan that. What I'm trying to get you to see is faith sees the unseeable. you never seen God. Ain't a one of you in this room ever saw God, but yet you believe in him. You ain't never seen Satan. I met a guy one time said he was married to his sister, but... What he said. You've never seen Satan, but you believe in him. You've never seen sin, but you believe it exists. You see sinful acts, but as far as sin itself, the entity of sin, you've never seen sin. But you, yet you believe in it. You ain't never seen radio waves, UHF, VHF, radio signals, television signals, radio signals, but this room is filled with the invisible signals of radio and television. You agree with that? Well, why ain't we getting it? Because you ain't got a receiver on. You throw up an antenna, turn TV on, dial it into the station, all of a sudden you'll be getting images and pictures and sound. But it didn't, it didn't start when you got the TV. It started way before the TV got here. The only reason you're receiving it is because you believe that they're in here because I preached to you that there's radio signals. And, and so all of a sudden you went out and invested in a radio. Remember that? And so now you got a radio. What are you going to do with that? I'm going to turn this dial right here and turn it on, and I'm going to... And I'm going to dial in. I'm going to listen to some music. Well, you can't see no music. You ain't hearing nothing now. I don't have to. I believe that there's this here. Man told me it's in the air. It's free. It's free. It's in the air. All I got to do is reach out and receive it. That's what it is with the grace of God. It's free. It's been paid for. The problem is not on the transmitter. The problem is not on God's end. I'm just trying to get you to stop being mad with God, blaming God, and accusing God. I'm trying to let you know that God's better than you ever dreamed he was. He's provided more than you ever thought he would provide. And he's done it greater and better than you ever imagined that he could do. And if you'll believe that, and just, and so, so well, I'm not receiving it. Well, it's okay. We're growing. That's why we come to church week after week. And we're all learning, including this fella right here. I wish I could tell you every time I feel a pain that I just automatically just download my healing and just, you know, take another step and go right on. But it don't happen like that. I, I'm able to grab hold of the forgiveness and believe that and walk on and not even worry about it. But when it comes to healing, it's a little bit tougher for Brother Dale. It's a little bit tough. I ain't got it all down yet. But I have seen more people healed in my ministry in the last five, six, seven years than I have in all the time put together. We got a little precious lady sitting back there. I won't... I don't want to wear her out there. But the night that she come up, I, I commanded that thing to go out of her body. And it was cancer. 
I didn't know it was cancer. I just said, God told me where it was at. I told you when she came forward, did God just decide to hear my precious sister back here? Did he decide to heal her of colon cancer on that particular night? Was it just like her night? This is your day. This is your night. Tonight's your night. You ever heard all that? Every day is your day. Every night's your night. This is the day the Lord has made. This is your day. This ain't you. I'm waiting next Sunday. It's your day. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation means forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. If you'll just believe. So what happened that night? The Lord allowed the gifts of the Spirit. So when she came forward for prayer, I stepped down, and it don't always happen like that. But I wish it could, wish it does, but it don't. Can't explain all that. But the Lord told me she's sitting right here, so if I'm lying, she would be knowing it. Wave, darling, so you don't know. Hallelujah, there she is. All right, listen to me. All right, listen. When I stepped down, I heard the Lord say, abdomen. I know I've said this testimony before, but you need to understand how it works. So I said, abdomen. I said, you're not standing here because of bones, joints, and all of the testimony that I had just gave about a lady that got healed with bones and stuff. I said, you're not here because of that. How did I know that? By the Spirit. I said, whatever wrong with you is in your abdomen. And she, she had her head on her walker, and she raised up and looked, and she nodded affirmative. And then when I took that step of faith to release the faith that God had given me, then I heard even more clearly, I heard colon. I said, in fact, God said it's in your colon. Is that right? And then she went, now guess what's happened to my precious sister? Her faith went from to here. What happened to receive her? We just throw the antenna way up there. She's just to receive what grace is freely provided for her. What did those gifts of the Spirit do? It was meant to cause her to have faith in God and His goodness. You know what her thought process probably was? I've never asked her. But she's like, there ain't no way he knew this. Only God knew this. And what did that cause her to have? Faith in God. And when her faith rose up in God, you know what happened? She received it. And, 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 and the cancer left her body. Is that what happened? The tumor left, the cancer was gone. And, and, and so when I'm praying, I'm not saying, oh God, would you come and do something? I said, I command whatever's in this colon to go in the name of Jesus. I command this to go. I counted an enemy of the cross and the price paid by Jesus Christ. I command this to leave the body of my sister. There needs to be somebody that believes the word of God. And you command that thing to leave you. You command that to go from you. Financial things happen in your life, and every time, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're supposed to reap, and you're supposed to reap, and all of a sudden, you know, the enemy right there and just blows it up every time. you got to open your mouth, say something. Don't allow the devil to just keep running over. He's still loose in the earth if you allow him to run. But listen, I'm not going to let you come tear up my yards. Early in the summer, God had a lawnmower tore up and had to buy me another one. I brought a user from a brother by the road, and he brought it, and he unloaded more, and he said, he looked at my yard, he said, he, he never even met me. He said, I can tell you a little anal over his yards. That's what he told me. Can you imagine? I could have easily been offended. I said, yeah, I am. He said, well, you might need to adjust my deck a little bit because he said, you can shoot pool on your front yard. I said, well, I appreciate it, bro. I'm not offended by that, but I'm not going to let you come tear it up. You try to get in there and start tearing up, I'm going to rebuke you. I'm going to, me and Mr. Brown are going to help you get off. You need to resist the devil. Resist ain't close your arms, close your mouth. Resist is active. It's not passive. Resist the devil and he'll do what? His agenda is still kill, still destroy. But don't allow that to happen in your life. Don't miss what grace has provided. Do you receive it today? You receive the word today. You believe the word of God. Let's stand to our feet. Give God praise. Come on. Come on, ministry team, come down quickly. I'm going to dismiss the church. If you want prayer, and I, and, uh, and I, I just want to say this to you.
Hey, man, if you're new here or if you've been here a while and you've never shook my hand and hugged my neck, that'd be for my benefit, not yours. But come up here and do that. You say, well, I want to come up there and, you know, I, just, I don't need, you know, no demon cast out or no prayer. Or well, just come shake my hand. I, I, would, I would, really, I'm serious. I would love to meet you. And if you want to just do that, then you come because people do that about every Sunday. And I would love to meet you, to greet you. And uh, e even this past week, <laughs> I love you. God bless you. This past week, I told Pastor Johanna, I said, you know, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, when these people fill out these visitors' cards, I said, I'm going to personally call them myself. I'm going to personally call them. God bless you, darling. Thank you. They need to hear you say that. Best sermon I ever heard. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> and you know she's right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But I told Pastor Johanna, I said, I'm going to call these people personally that have filled out these visitor cards and just thank them for coming to, to Grace Point. So I did that for the first time last Monday. And you, some of you might be here this morning because you did tell me you were coming back. And, and so I had a quite a, there you are, darling. God bless you. What city are you from? Where are you from? Lake Park. God bless you. I talked to you, didn't I, darling? God bless you. I'm so glad you're here. Give her a hand. Bless you, baby. God bless you. And so it was my privilege to, to do that. But I, I could tell I was freaking people out. Like, who expects a senior pastor to call them? Not that I'm nothing, but I could tell I called one person, and they thought it was a recording. <laughs> they did. Because I said, I said well, you know, they, the phone answered, and they answered. I said, hello, this is Pastor Dale Young, you know, from Grace Point Church. And I just want to personally thank you for coming and being in service with us yesterday. It was a great blessing, and we hope to see you again real soon. And they didn't say nothing. For, for a few seconds, you know. And they said, then they just said, is this you, Pastor Dale? <laughs> and I said, yeah, it's really me. They said, it's really you? And I said, yes, yeah, it's me. And they said, well, I'm so glad. I said, I'm, they said, I'm coming back next Sunday, and I'm going to bring people with me. And I just want you to know I'm coming back. And that's what they told me, you know. And uh, so we had people, you know, last Sunday we had people from Waycross. We had people Lake Park, our sister, and had people from Sparks. And we had people from, from Valdosta even. Can you imagine that? And uh, just so invite people to come to church. If you believe we're telling people the truth, if you believe that we're telling them that they're loved and forgiven by God and God's grace is real and it's available, then please tell somebody. How can you keep that good news quiet? Tell somebody. Invite them. Tell them they can ride with you. Glory to God. God's blessed you with a ride, ain't you? And bring them to the church and, and bless them. Listen, if you want prayer for any reason, that's why we're standing down here. And if more people come, then I got standing. I got elders and all that will step out and help us pray. But if you want prayer, you come this way. If you don't, you go and enjoy this day. You go and enjoy it in God's grace. We love you. God bless you. Go enjoy God's grace. If you want prayer, come up here. If you want to just come meet us, shake our hands, we'll be glad to do that as well. God bless you.